All right. Oh, sit down. There's not enough time. We're glad you're here. Not bad for a July 4th four-day weekend. That's great. Anyway, we're glad that you're here today. If you have your celebration guide, we would ask that if this is your first, second, maybe third time, please fill out the registration and rip that off and drop it in the offering plate when it comes around a little bit later. Now, I met a lady. I don't normally do this, but I met a lady out in the foyer, and she's from Terra Vista. Uh, you said it was your first time. See me after the end because I want to. There she is. I want you to meet somebody. All right. We're glad that you're here. All right. Um, VBS was absolutely amazing. If you see, if you see Miss Carrie. She just did a bang-up job of organizing and, and pulling that off. It was just awesome. If you helped at all, would you stand? If you helped at all, do it quickly. Don't make me beg. Stand up if you helped. All over. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. And then if you'll look on the back, we will be beginning my Wednesday night Bible study, the live one, uh, in August. And I'm going to tell you in a week or two what I'm going to be speaking on. You're going to absolutely love it. And I think you're going to all want to be here, really. It's, it's really relevant to today. All right. Having said all that, let's stand and welcome somebody around you to church. Oh, 
loves us so much he gave his son to die for us, folks. And that was a lot, you know. And when Jesus died, he made a way for us to be with the Father forever. So if you don't know him, today's the day. He can be your way maker in a world that's upside down. So sing with me. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you.
Father, you are the way maker. You're the one that we turn to when there seems to be no other way. God, we know that you make a way every time because Jesus, you said you are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through you. So we know that the only way is through you, Jesus. And we want to give you our praise and our glory this morning. This morning as we participate in our worship time that's about our giving, Father, we pray you use it further your kingdom so others will know the way, the truth, and the life. Pray these things in your precious son's name. Amen.
greatest of all these things is love. I was reminded this morning, we don't have to feel love to love. It's not feeling. Doing what's right. Loving one another.
God, that nothing is impossible for you, for being the hope that we can build our lives upon. Oh God, let us continually seek you and trust you, because your love is perfect. Be with the pastor this morning as he brings your word. May every spirit here be opened to what you have for us today. It is for you that we live, Father. Amen. Thank you, dear. You keep them for me, honey, till afterwards. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we're beginning a brand new series today, and it's going to be the words from the cross. Jesus spoke about seven different words when he was on the cross, not individual words, but different sayings from the cross. And uh, I'm not going to do this in chronological order. In fact, I'm skipping to about the third thing today. Um, about two or three weeks ago, I did a sermon on forgiveness. And what I want to do in about, oh, three weeks, two weeks, three weeks, is I want to do a different one, but using the words that Jesus first said was, remember, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And, um, but what I wanted to do today, because it has just kind of encapsulated me in my heart, is this, I call it the word of assurance. And it has just been so dynamic in my uh, own life that I wanted to share it with you today and hope that the Holy Spirit will take it and apply it to a lot of your hearts um, and that you will respond to his, his calling you today. I have been at the bedside, you can imagine in 42 years, of a lot of people as they took their last breath. And I've heard a lot of last words. And last words are usually very important. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he made these seven different statements. And every one of them has a profound implication for our life. And what I want to do today is talk about this word of assurance. In the Caribbean, there was a yacht, five people. They were sinking in a storm. But a cruise ship happened to come by, and they were, quote, saved at the last minute. In Europe, the uh, Interpol police discovered a suicide pact between two children on the Internet. And because they were monitoring the Internet, the children were saved, as they said, at the last minute. In Somalia, a 56-year-old British woman was held hostage by pirates. She was uh, right up within minutes of being raped and killed by her own guard when the others returned and she was saved at the last minute. In Texas, there was a man named Hank Skinner, an inmate who was scheduled to be executed. And a judge ordered and offered a stay of execution and his life was saved at the last minute. But all that to say this, today, I want us to look at the most famous last-minute salvation ever. And it was the thief on the cross. And we know the story because in Luke 23, beginning in verse 39, we will read, One of the criminals hanging beside Jesus 
hurled insults at Jesus. So you're the Messiah, are you? Well, prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God even when you're dying? We deserve to die for our evil deeds. But this man has not done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure, that's the word of assurance. I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Folks, I know a lot of you, know a lot of you at least by face if I don't know you all by name. And I know that you're, a lot of you are very faithful. I don't know exactly maybe where your spiritual journey is. Uh, I don't know if you've ever gone through times in your life like I have in mine where you had doubts, where you actually wondered, well, did I believe enough? Did I have enough faith? Was I sincere enough? Did I say the right things? You ever done that? You know, wondering if you've made the right choice. Friends, this, this is an extremely important text in the Bible. One of the most important texts that you can ever study because it, it will tell us how and when and where and the why of salvation. It will tell us how we can be certain, how we can have the assurance that we're going to go to heaven when we die. And it tells us what we have to know in order to do that and in order to be saved. Now, if you want to, you know, I, I want you to listen carefully for the next few minutes as if your life depends on this because it does. What we are talking about this morning is your eternal destiny. I could not give you a more important topic. So I'm going to be as clear and as concise and as condensed as possible because I want you to understand what you must know in order to be saved and how you can walk out of here with absolute assurance and never doubt again of whether you're going to be in heaven. As your friend, as a pastor that loves you, I want you to settle this issue this morning. I really don't want any of us doubting that we're going to make it to heaven. There is no reason why today when you leave here that you don't know for certain, hey, if I die today, if I die tomorrow, if I die 50 years from now, I know that I am going to be with the Lord in heaven. Now, first, this story tells us what we must know to be saved to be in God's kingdom that we talked about last week, to be a part of God's family. Now, would you agree that there are a lot of things in life that you can know, but there's some things you must know? Agree with that? There's a lot of things that we can know. I could, we can preach a lot of different uh, topics from the Bible. There's a lot in there about what we do once we are saved and how we live this life. So there's a lot of things that we can know. What I want to tell you today is the minimum that you must know in order to go to heaven. Now, this man was a criminal. He was an evildoer. Um, he doesn't really know a whole lot. He's lived evidently his life mostly all in crime, and they're killing him on the cross. But he did know enough to be saved. And there are five things that he knew, and I want you to write these down with me. Number one, the first thing that this guy knew was this. He knew he would face God after death. He knew he would face God after death. See, when, listen, when that first criminal, and by the way, the uh, other gospels give us a bigger picture 
not only did that other criminal, but even this one today, at first, he was saying things to Jesus about get us off of here and so forth. He didn't believe, but somewhere in a matter of minutes, he understood what was going on with Jesus Christ, and he changed his whole life. Um, when, whenever this other guy started insulting Jesus, then this other man, the second man, says this in verse 40. Don't you fear God even when you're dying? Man, you're, you're seconds away from eternity. You're dying on a cross. In a matter of minutes, if not seconds, you're going to face God. And you're making insults to the Lord? You know, I, I think about, folks, how quickly, you know, we, we hear, it seems like almost weekly now, people, young people, middle-aged people, older people that die quickly, die tragically. You may have read in the Chronicle just about two days ago about those five teenagers that were in a car down in like the Fort Myers area. And they went off the road and went into a, a drainage retention area that was full of water. And all five of them drowned. So, you know, this guy says, look, don't you know that you're going to face God? Folks, the reason why so many people treat God casually the reason why they go through life basically ignoring the Lord, why they live their own life instead of God's life, why they love other things more than they love God, why they live in their sin and not are willing to turn away from it is because a lot of them in the back of their mind, they don't believe this. They believe when you're dead, you're dead and it's over that you're going to, but folks, that is a fatal mistake. It is the biggest mistake you can ever make because death is not the end. It is only the beginning. You may get 60 or 70 or 80, 90 years down here, maybe even 100 at the most, but you're going to spend trillions of years in eternity. You were made to last forever, and you're going to live forever in eternity, either with God or separated from God depending on your decision here. Folks, you don't want to be wrong for eternity. You don't want to be wrong. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, everyone must die once and after that be judged by God. That is one appointment that I'm not going to be late for. I mean, I won't. And that's one appointment that I can't cancel. It is going to happen. In fact, that appointment was set before I was ever born, before God even chose to create you. He knew how many seconds you were going to live on this earth. He already knew that. And he knew that we would face God after death. Second thing this man knew was this. He knew he had sinned against God. Why do we know that? Well, because he kind of gives a confession in verse 41. He said, we deserve to die for our evil deeds. We deserve this. See, he's not hiding it. He's not making excuses for it. You know, what he confesses, and one of the greatest verses that you need to know in the Bible is 1 John 1, 9. If we will confess our sin, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all wrong, from every uh, unrighteousness. God says, you do your part, I'll do my part. You do the confessing, I'll do the forgiving. Amen? This guy deserves to die. 
Now, folks, the Bible doesn't tell me all the different sins that this man had committed. It doesn't say what he did or who he did it with or how many times he did it because it really doesn't matter. In the book of James, chapter 2, verse 10, it says, you've only got to break one law to be a lawbreaker. And so many people go around thinking, well, you know what? I, I'm going to get into heaven because, man, my sin's not as bad as everybody else's. I mean, I can name a lot of people to you, Lord, that they do a whole lot worse things than I do. That is irrelevant. I'm sorry. It's irrelevant. You only have to break one law to be a lawbreaker. You only have to tell one lie to be a liar. You only have to commit one crime to be a criminal. It's not a matter of whether you have more sins than me. I don't doubt, really, truthfully, there's a, a lot of folks, a lot of you are better than I am in this area. But folks, if you have a chain link holding up a bridge and one of those big links is bad, it only takes one for that thing to collapse. So if I break one law, if I commit one sin, then I'm a lawbreaker. And heaven is perfect. And God is not going to let anybody in there that's not perfect. And if he did let people in there that were sinners and not perfect, then it would be like hell on earth. It'd be like what we're living in down here. You see, a lot of young folks understand this. God does not grade on a curve about how better you may be than somebody else that you know. Because the thing is, you have sinned and so have I. So that, that no, nobody measures up. I don't stand a snowball's chance of getting into heaven by saying to him, Lord, I'm better than Hitler. Lord, I'm better than Marx was. So the question is not how many sins have you committed. The question is, have you ever even done one? Because if you have, and you have, then you're imperfect. And you've got to have a perfect Savior. And so the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. We deserve to die. But the good news, the gift of God is eternal life. How? In Christ Jesus our Lord. I circled wages and a gift. I hope you know the difference between those two things. We earn, uh, our wages are earned by our actions and gifts are undeserved. It's the grace of God. But folks, are you listening? In fairness, somebody's got to pay. And so he says, look, you deserve to die. That's the wages of sin. But he says, I got a better. And in fact, again, before the, the creation of the world, God already knew that we were going to sin. And he knew that there were going to be consequences. But he already had a plan. Here's how they can be perfect. Here's how they can make up for all that and still make it into heaven. So number one, he knew that he was going to face God after death. Two, he knew he had sinned against God, so he's taking it seriously. And three, he knew Jesus was more than a man. Jesus was more than a man. And you've got to know that too. So he says to the other criminal, we deserve to die for our evil deeds. But this man has not done anything wrong. Notice that phrase. This man has not done anything wrong. Are you listening to this? Notice he doesn't say this man hasn't done as much bad stuff as we have. He didn't say that. 
He, he doesn't say, we've done way more bad things than this guy ever thought to do it. No. He said, this guy has not done anything wrong. Let me tell you, in the Greek, that word there that he's done nothing is, it is a, it goes all the way back. It goes present. It goes future. It literally means nothing, not a zip. He never did. He never is. And he never will do anything wrong. So he's saying this is a perfect man. Now, question, have you ever met anybody in your life that you could say that about, that they're perfect and that they've never, ever committed any sin? No, we can't do that. So whenever he says that, he's saying this is not a mere man because he has not done anything wrong. You know, folks, in this universe, there is only one person who has ever done everything perfectly, and he's the one that created you. And the one you were just singing about, about him, how much he loves you. And that is why only Jesus can save you because you need a perfect Savior. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God had Christ who was sinless take our sin so that we might receive God's approval through him. Folks, this is an amazing deal. I keep telling you that, and, and, and it doesn't go away from me. The, the older I get, the, the stronger it seems to get. And the more exciting, I've told you many times, it's too good to be true. It, the, the thing of salvation is too good. It's an amazing deal. God says, I'm going to take all the junk in Lloyd's life, all of his pettiness, all of his ego, all of his anger, all of his jealousy, all of his gossip, all of the lust, all of the thoughts, all the actions, all the words that he's ever said that were wrong. And I'm going to take that and I'm going to put it on my son, Jesus Christ, who's going to die on the cross so that Lloyd won't have to pay for those sins. And here's the other thing. And at the same time, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to take the perfection of my son, Jesus, and I'm going to cover Lloyd with it so he can get into my place called heaven. Hey, man, what a deal. What a deal. That's called grace. And it's the only way you're ever going to make it into heaven. The fourth thing this guy knew is only grace could save him. Only grace could save him. In verse 42, after he says, this guy hasn't done anything wrong and we deserve to die. Then he says in verse 42, Jesus, remember me. Isn't that something? Just Jesus, remember me. He knows he can't do anything to save himself. He can't come down off the cross and make atonement for his own sins. I mean, he's in his dying moments hanging on the cross. He's made a mess of his life. And he's hanging there hopeless. There's nothing he can do. And he doesn't compare himself and say to Jesus, by the way, Jesus, I know people that are worse than me. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say I had a bad childhood growing up and therefore I didn't get a good start in life. And that's why I'm doing all these things. Didn't blame his parents. He doesn't try to bargain with God or buy his way out. He just throws himself on the mercy of God and says, remember me. Just remember me. What? That's it? That's all you're going to say? Folks, that's got to be the shortest salvation prayer ever. Jesus, remember me. Now, there are some people, well-meaning Christian people, and they have this belief, it's a wrong belief, that you've got to say certain words 
in order to be saved. That, that uh, you've got to recite a certain kind of a prayer. And in that prayer, you've got to mention certain words and follow a certain formula. They're wrong. This guy just said, Lord, remember me. He didn't say, uh, I know you're my propitiation. I know you're my atonement. I know you justified me. He didn't say that. Just remember me. What did Jesus say? Today, you will be with me in paradise. Here's the point. It's not a matter of your words. It's the direction of your heart. There was a Wycliffe Bible translator just not many years ago, went to a village in Central America to translate the Bible into a language that it had never been translated into. He worked there for eight hard years. And while he was doing that, he also shared his faith and not one person accepted the Lord Jesus. Nobody became a believer. And he was so very discouraged. He was getting ready to come back to the United States to get his next assignment. And there was a middle-aged man in that village named Juan. He had had a massive heart attack. And they took him to that little village hospital. He was there in a coma, and he was under an oxygen tent. And this man thought, well, before I get in the Jeep to go to the airport to go back to America, I'm going to visit Juan one last time. So he goes in there, and Juan had come out of the coma, but he was motionless. His eyes were open, and he wasn't moving, but he was open, and he would blink his eyes to respond. And so he said to him, Juan, do you know that God loves you and sent his son Jesus for you? See? That's all he could say. Juan, do you know that if you invite Christ into your life and trust him, he'll forgive you of all your sin? See? Juan, would you like to put your faith in Christ before you die? See? And he went back into a coma. Well, five years later, the missionary went back to see how things were going. To his surprise, he found a vibrant church with 55 to 60 people, uh, saved people in that church. And he went to some of the uh, people there and said, what in the world happened? Did a missionary, other, some other missionary come and tell you the good news? And he said, oh, no, no. You remember Juan? He woke up and he was saved. And he's been telling everybody about Jesus. And now there's a vibrant church there. So how much do you have to know? And what do you need to be able to say to be saved? See? That's it. That's what it means to follow Christ. It means to say yes. You may not know all the terminology, but if you say yes to the Lord, God knows and he hears Becoming a follower, listen, I want, you, I, want to, I want you to, this statement, I didn't come up with this, but it, it so impacted me this week. Becoming a follower of Christ means giving as much of myself as I understand to as much of Jesus as I understand at that moment. Say it again. Becoming a follower of Christ means giving as much of myself as I understand to as much of Jesus as I understand at that moment. Does that make sense? That's salvation. That's what this guy did. It's all grace. Don't, as I preached last week, don't complicate the gospel 
by adding all these other things. You must do this and you must do that and you got to think this and you got to think that. And by the way, this guy didn't get baptized. You know, he didn't get baptized. So you don't have to get baptized. Now you should to follow the Lord, but you don't have to get baptized in order to be saved. And there's one more thing I'd like for you to write down that this guy knew. He knew Jesus would save him if he asked. If he didn't believe the first four things, he wouldn't have done this. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. He knew that Jesus would save him and would give him that grace if he just asked. And so he prayed, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know, you know what's interesting to me? And you know I like to always look at every side of the statements in the Bible, well, what it didn't say, what it did say, and so forth. When I'm reading this, I'm thinking about here's what he asked. Well, here's what he didn't ask for. He didn't say, Jesus, would you stop my pain? I think that's probably what the first thing I'd have done. Jesus, would you stop this pain? I mean, they're, they're nailed to a cross. Or Jesus... Um, would you save us from death? You know, and, and so that neither one of us have to die. Would you, would you do that? He didn't do that. He, he, I believe he knew that Jesus would do, could do that if that was his plan. But you know what? When I, when I, when I started looking at that, I thought, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Why? Because he knew that the deepest need he had was salvation from sin not to get off the cross. The Bible says in Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. I want you to write this down. What is the promise of assurance of your salvation? It is this, God's word. It's the promise of God's word. That is the assurance of your salvation. Jesus said, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. When I sit down with anybody now who's struggling with a life-threatening disease in their home or they're in the hospital or they're at hospice, I don't waste any time. I, one of my first questions is, in different ways depending on them, is what is your assurance of heaven? You know, I, I, do you know for sure? And, and to get that settled in their life. And by the way, I want you to write down quickly four things that that verse tells me. When he said, today you will be with me in paradise, I want you to write this down. That tells me that salvation is immediate. Amen? Not tomorrow. Not your soul's going to sleep in the grave for years and years and then be resurrected. No. Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Two, salvation is certain. Today, you will. You will. You don't need to guess. You don't need to think. And three, you will be with me. It's a relationship. Amen? You will be with me. And then fourth, you will be with me in paradise. Salvation is a place forever. Forever. That's how, that's when, that's where. 
The Bible says this in Romans 10, 13. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that wonderful? Would God lie? No. Listen, the Bible says, listen, people wonder, is there anything God can't do? Yeah, God can't lie. And God cannot be God. You know, everything about him. And, and so he said, look, anyone who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I want to ask you, are you ready to do this? So I'm going to ask you all right now to please bow with me. If you would bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're ready to call on the name of the Lord and acknowledge just like this guy did, I want you to be able to settle the issue of your eternal destiny once and for all. All your life, God has prepared you for this moment. In fact, before you were born, he knew you would hear this message today. Folks, if your heart is beating, it's not too late. If your heart is beating, now, I'm going to ask you, you know, we don't embarrass folks. I'm not going to come where you are, but I'm going to ask you some questions. And I'm going to ask you if you would be willing, as, as people are praying right now, and they're, uh, I am looking, but no one else that I know of. And I want to ask you this. Usually, I'll ask you if you would like to know, if, you, if, if, this, if the Lord has touched your heart, would you... Usually I'll say, would you put your hand up and back down? But I need you to put it up and leave it up for a little bit. So over here to my left, center, right, would you put your hand up? If you would pray that prayer or you prayed that prayer, I want to be saved. I want to know for sure. I want to say it, Jesus, remember me. Anybody, would you keep them up? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You've heard the message, and you know all you got to do is say, remember me, Lord. See. See. And now I'm going to ask you folks, you can put your hands down and thank you. I'm going to ask you that, that raised your hand if you would do something else that I believe takes a real man or a real woman to do. If, if, if you would, so that you have a point of understanding and knowing for sure, because remember, it's about assurance, so that you know on that day, January or July 2nd, 2023, I went forward. I prayed in my seat, but I went forward. And we're going to have a little booklet for you, and there's a place in there that you just, you sign your name and the date that you can always look at and say, nope, nope, I did it. There's my decision. I made it. So I would ask you, so many of you did raise your hand. I would ask you to, if you would come, shake my hand or Pastor Brian's hand. If you would come and we want to hand you a little booklet and then you can go back to your seat. But we would love to please have you come. So God is good. Let's sing that to him. And I'm going to ask somebody that raised your hand, you come first and others will follow you. Be the one to come. Let's stand. So good, God.
those over here that raised your hand, those in the middle that I saw, many of you, those over here to my right, would you come? God bless you. God bless you, young man, young lady. God bless y'all. Thank you. The whole family's coming. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. He's so good. He's so good to me. And I'll praise His name. I'll praise His name. I'll praise His name. He's so good to me. God bless y'all. Thank you so much. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you for touching people's hearts. We had 23 in the first service that came, and I don't know how many here. I lost count after about 12 or 13, but praise God for your decision and your willingness to come. Amen. All right. Thank you. Have a beautiful July 4th weekend. Please stay safe, and we look forward to seeing you next week.